and so the the question you know we want to tackle today is should people of faith be on social media or are we contributing to people being drawn in and away from real life are we contributing to people just staring at their phone versus engaging with the world around them and if we should be on social media then how should we as people of faith be using it Hi, welcome to Wild and Beautiful. We're Joanna Hyatt and Lauren Enriquez, your co-hosts who every week are helping you live out your faith in a way that's biblically rooted, but culturally relevant. Okay, so you know what's cool? I bought my kids a new sheet set from Amazon. Fancy. Yeah, Mm -hmm. real fancy. What would you assume would be in a sheet set? I have to say that slowly. (laughs) A fitted sheet, a top mm-hmm. sheet, and a pillowcase. I would just throw away the top sheet because who needs that? Well, good news. This is the sheet set for you because they threw away the top sheet on your behalf. Like that's a Wait. thing. I see. I still want. I still want the privilege of deciding whether no. I'm actually going to throw it away or put it in the Halloween box <laughs> for when one of my kids wants to be a ghost. There, there was no top sheet. It is a fitted sheet and one pillowcase and that's it that's it which do you not use top sheets like i'm sorry hold on (laughs) so they get all bunched up like i don't feel like they ever stay like flush with the blanket overnight at least the way we sleep we kick them all off and they go places and we wash our everything every week so we take the comforter and all the sheets and the pillowcases and i change my pillowcase every day because i'm i have like very sensitive skin it's a whole thing but you change your pillowcase every day how many pillowcases do you have well (laughs) i have a little basket next to my bed where i keep like eight pillowcases on rotation i change my pillowcase far less frequently well, don't buy this set because even though they don't have the top sheet, yeah. they also only had one pillowcase. And I went back and read the fine. I was like, oh, they said that. They said there was only, okay, cool. But you just wouldn't expect it. No, because never in the history of my life have I ever gotten no. a sheet set that did not have a top sheet. Where they just decided for you that you didn't need it. And, you know, I, I would have thought, I would have thought maybe it was like a, you know, an error something went wrong in the packaging, but they actually intentionally put that on the package that they were only meaning to send you a fitted sheet and a pillowcase. That's just gross to me. That's gross. You're you're sweating up against your blankets. Okay. So you, your top sheet stays intact. No, not funny enough. Actually, as you say that for the child that I purchased this for, no, no, their top sheet ends up at the bottom. God knows what his children need, Joanna. (laughs) No excess in this house. No waste. My top sheet stays very nicely folded over. Well, good for you. (laughs) Actually, we make our bed with one comforter, Jose and I. And then when we go to sleep, we use separate blankets because he moves a lot and ends up, it's just a whole thing. So Your bedtime routine is very high maintenance. I'm just going to be honest. Now, I never thought of it, but now that I'm saying it, I'm like, wow, this is weird. Wow, that's a lot of work. This is a lot of work to go to bed in the Enriquez house. You gotta change your pillow. You gotta change your blankets. You gotta yeah. find new blankets in the morning. I just, I can't. I cannot. 
<laughs> but, but we're this, not dealing with any top sheets. So not dealing with top sheets. So. Simplifies everything. For your kids, I have found the brand for you when you're ready. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Funny we enough, will not be putting that in the show notes, by no, the way. No, <laughs> no. This will not be recommended. We will not have an Amazon affiliate link. There will be no nothing. You can just send us our coffee money directly. <laughs> but my child didn't care because now her bed oh, looks good. like a mermaid. So she was happy. Oh, there you go. We are talking about online stuff today. And it is the, what are we in now? The second week of Lent? I believe so. <sighs> sure. And we are going to talk about what we are guessing most people gave up during Lent. What do you think it is? Mm. Not chocolate. Not chocolate. Social media. Followed by alcohol as a close second. I actually have no idea. There's zero anecdotal evidence. We are just guessing. Yeah. Based on what we would pick. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So since we are a fair representation of nobody, we are tackling social media because we figured, listen, how many of you took a social media fast? You listened to our Lent episode. Honestly... That's the truth of it. We heard from people after they listened to our Lent episode that said, well, now I'm off social media. And we're not sure what we said in that episode. It was so (laughs) convicting. But clearly the Holy Spirit worked through us to call you to put your phone down. And so while you're not on social media, we thought we would talk about social media. Yes. So it's like, you know, somebody who's not drinking alcohol, we're just going to talk about that. Yes. Which is probably not fair. But. Out of sight, but not out of mind. No, because you're probably going through withdrawals. Maybe not. You're like 10 days. <laughs> well, maybe by the second week, it's starting you stop to stop twitching out. at this point and like reaching for your phone and having ghost vibrations on the phone. Realizing but it's no one messaged me. It's true, though. It's true, Joe. Like these are the experiences when you give up anything phone related or technology. Yeah, because your brain, chemistry. Yes. You're addicted. Yes. So, first, Let me set the stage with some fun statistics that will be slightly horrifying for all of you. Okay. (laughs) Daily active social media users. Want to take a ballpark guess? How many daily social media users are there? There, Aren't there like 6 billion, 7 billion people? There's 7 billion people in the world. Okay. So work with that. So I'm going to mentally remove all the like children and grandparents and then there's uh, probably a lot of probably a huge demographic okay just but watching. i'm just trying to make my ballpark here and then th- there's probably a bunch of healthy people that don't log on every day so i'm gonna say like one to two billion 3.78 billion oh boy about 48 percent of the world's population is on social media Every day. Every day. Isn't that crazy? Like, I wonder when the car was invented, if within that short a period of time, so much of the population was driving cars around. I don't think so. Like, I think social media caught on faster than other things. So, so quickly. So quickly. Because you and I grew up in a world that where social media wasn't a thing. And not to be cliche, but I feel really nostalgic about that. Listen, we don't count MySpace as social media. I don't. was in a monastery when MySpace came out and never got it. I was like too young or too sheltered. Mm. I was in college when Facebook came out. Mm-hmm. When it was intended to be a college connecting thing. And at that point, yes. it was kind of cool. Like, it oh, was. this is neat. Yeah. Find other conservatives in the desert of universities. But, man, yeah. So that's, you're right. It exploded 
And we have now multiple things. Facebook was the first, but sheesh, there are there are so many different apps that yeah. are classified as social media too. And it's oh man, it's overwhelming. I think yeah. people still say like the big three, right? Though that's like Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Is that still a thing that people kind of probably? I would think I would think TikTok. Is, I would think yeah that and TikTok, Snapchat keeps trying. They keep trying. I know Snapchat eludes me. Speaking of generations, you mentioned grandparents. Let's break it down by generation. No use. Okay. All right. So our lowest is the sixty-five and above group. Grandparents, forty-five okay. percent of people 65 and above are on social media that's the lowest that's the lowest so the babies are on social media well next is the 50 to 64 group okay 73 percent okay starts creeping up then you have the second highest group now do you think the second highest group is the 18 to 29 year olds or the 30 to 49 year olds oh gosh I, I guess it's the 30 to 49 year old. It is, but only by three percentage points. Ooh, really? 84% versus 81%. So this really isn't like a, a thing that the, just the kids are doing anymore. No, and also I like that you classify 18 year olds as kids. <laughs> Which I just realized. We are old, Joanna. They're half my age. I could have an 18 year old child and have been oh, an adult gosh, when I had a child. Don't say that. That's no. no. No, to all of you listening who are younger than us, we are still cool. We are still relevant. We will figure out the tweeting thing. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Enriquez is actually a boss at Twitter. Was. When she yes. was on it. We'll get yes. into that. So, yeah, 84% of people 18 to 29 years of age are on social media. And so when we talk about how do we reach the next generation, you cannot discount social media. You cannot pretend that you are going to reach people with the truth of the gospel, people with the truth of nature and reality and politics, whatever, and not have to address the question of social media when 84% of them are on it. Wow. And just, again, just three percentage points behind that, 81% of 30 to 49-year-olds which explains a lot of misinformation, polarization, depression, anxiety, any wonder. You know, the way that media used to be consumed or how it was broken up by like age demographic would be based on what time of day the TV was being viewed. So, you know, like during the morning and early afternoon, it would be like retired people and stay-at-home moms. And then Saturday mornings, it was kids and cartoons. And then evenings is when it like the the big consumer market of like whatever, 18 to 35-year-olds or 18 to 50-year-olds, the kind of working and college-age demographics. But it's so much more complicated now. And it feels like every day there's a new social media platform and a new like uh, how-to guide on how to reach your target audience. And oh my gosh, it's overwhelming. And so the, the question you know, we want to tackle today is should people of faith be on social media or are we contributing to people being drawn in and away from real life? Are we contributing to people just staring at their phone versus engaging with the world around them? And if we should be on social media, then... How should we as people of faith be using it? Mm-hmm. Because the stats have not been good. You know, the reports from social media, it will come as no surprise to anybody that, that women report comparing themselves negatively. I mean, listen, mm-hmm. if you're a woman out there and you are on social media, 
Raise your hand if you get off social media and you're like, I feel so much better about my parenting, my home, myself. Yeah, I see no hands raised. Also because I'm on a podcast and I can't see you. But pretty sure no one raises their hand is like, I feel awesome when I get off of this thing. It's not a good thing. So, you know, so there's that. And then you have the FBI internal documents that showed Instagram made body image issues worse for one in three teenage girls. And yet Facebook is still planning on creating a version for kids under 13, knowing these girls are viewing themselves worse. And the implications of that for how they live their life, whether they choose to live their life, is huge. Yeah. But on Netflix, there's the Social Dilemma documentary. And that's the last thing I'll, I'll say before we jump into answering this question of whether we should be on it. Because if you watch that, it's slightly terrifying when you realize the algorithms that are driving so much of yeah. our social media usage. So we think, oh, we get on and we're engaging with our friends or we're following that really good content. And yet the algorithms are there to draw us in, to draw us back. So it, you know, if you have those notifications that pop up, it's because you haven't been there a while and they wanna get you back on. Yeah. To keep us on the app, and to direct the way that we are seeing the world. And we all know that you can follow particular people and yeah. get a very different view of world events yes. based on social media. So to that end, should we be on it? Are we contributing to something that's not helping? And if we are on it, how do we use it? So let's start with, do you currently use it? How are you currently using it? Let's start there. So in 2020, I had been feeling for a long time that social media was generally a net negative for me. And I was a very, very avid social media user, Facebook, Twitter, especially Twitter, Instagram, all the things. I found it at certain points in my parenting journey to be kind of like a source of community when, you know, my kids were really little and I felt isolated and it was really hard to like see people in person. So I'm not knocking the whole concept of social, but I tried to be really honest with myself about how it was affecting me, whether it was improving my relationships, whether it was improving me as a person, whether it was causing negative emotions or positive emotions, whether my time spent on social media would be more impactful and valuable if spent somewhere else, whether social media was impacting my view of the world in a negative or positive way. And if I felt like it was the truth or if it was like a filtered version of the truth, I just started to be honest with myself about those questions and finally decided to just get off of social media. So I still have a Facebook account, but I don't really use it. I just have it because for my job, I have to have an account. I deleted my Twitter, which was really hard for me because (laughs) I really liked Twitter and I really enjoyed being engaged in cultural and news conversations around Twitter, especially on abortion. And then I deleted all my friends from Instagram, but I didn't delete my account because unfortunately that was basically like my kids photo album memory book. It's where I had like archived the most important and like funny and affectionate and meaningful moments of my early parenting days. And I couldn't figure out how to get that out and delete my account. So at this moment, I'm not on social media. How about you? I mean, I know you, (laughs) you're probably more mature than I am. (laughs) And no, 
I definitely was addicted to social media and like that's the bottom line and I don't think you have quite that problem well we say that and yet what did I give up for Lent social media because I I struggle I'll just own it I struggle with social media because on the one hand it is an opportunity for me you know and I'm somebody if you if you follow me if you see my stuff I will say things that you're not supposed to say out loud like Women are not responsible for your porn use or abortion kills. Abortion is not empowering because I've tried more and more to use social media. And for me, it's primarily Instagram with some Facebook um, as a place to speak truth and trying to do so in a way that is loving, in a Mm -hmm. way that is compassionate, but still puts it out there. If nothing else to encourage people like, hey, guess what? You're not the only person. You're not the only one who believes it. Kind of like why we do this podcast, to let people know you are not alone in your beliefs, in in these things that you say, "Ah, instinctively, I know this is true. Scripturally, I believe this is true. And yet everybody seems to be really loud on the other side. And so I'll wade into that. And, And I'm very careful that I don't post anything that I'm not willing to engage with people on because I don't think that that's fair to put an opinion out there that, um, or a statement of truth that is, you know, potentially going to really stir up emotion and then Mm -hmm. disappear. So I don't engage on social media with the aim of stirring up emotions, but kind of just leaving people hanging. Uh, I want there to be dialogue and discussion. Now, I don't get as many haters as you would think, probably because I think they haven't found me yet. But (laughs) <laughs> so that's that's on my best days. That's what I'm using social media for. But the reality is, is on a lot of days, there's the other side of that where then I care about how it's doing and did people engage with it and did they respond to it and who saw it and how many people saw it and did they respond mm-hmm. at all or did nobody mm-hmm. see this thing? Even though I know, hey, the algorithms right. and the companies promoting this stuff, they don't like anything I stand for. Mm-hmm. They do not like people of faith. They do not like people who are pro-life. And yet I'll find myself feeling bummed out by the response or lack of response to something where I think, well, this should encourage, this is speaking truth Mm -hmm. and nobody's seeing the truth. Okay, God. And so part of why, actually the reason I took the break during Lent is to say, I need to stop measuring my influence based on this Mm -hmm. platform over which I really have no control. Uh, And instead, detox in a way, and use that time to actually create. Once in a while, I'll create something, I'll put it out there and might get a good response or not. But instead of say like, what are all the things on my heart I want to say? Let's pour it into saying it instead of spending time caring about how people are responding to what I'm saying, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I'm off it for for, for Lent and... In some ways, oh, it's going to sound so lame. In some ways, it's a little bit of a faith thing for me to say, but Lord, that's where we like promote. That's where we market. And mm-hmm. that's where we get the word out about what we're doing. And instead to say, do I trust that God in his timing and in his way will make sure that people see the truth that we are sharing, mm-hmm. the people that need to be encouraged, the people that need to be convicted, he will get that to them. He doesn't need us hustling to make it happen. Mm. Basically, that's me and my current social media use. I think that you are somebody that's using social media with intentionality. And I think that word is really 
overused. Maybe it's not overused. Maybe it's just a word we need to talk about more. But intentionality, I think, is the key to healthy social media engagement. And I think that that's something that you, you're obviously being intentional with how you use social media. If you're praying about what you should post and paying attention to how it's affecting you and making an effort to have conversations with people when you know you've said something that will spark a conversation. And that's one of the reasons that I actually... I said I still do have my Instagram account. I do frequently get on my Instagram account. I stock Joanna's Instagram account because one, she has really cute little children that are adorable that she posts pictures of. And she has always something thoughtful that she has said in like a really whimsical, winsome way. So I really enjoy following her. And our friend, Allison Centifante, she's another one that I stock because she also has like frequently she has like really insightful commentary on what's going on in the news and she'll be on like Fox and Friends talking about it and it's so cool to see what she is up to so I have a couple people that I do stock their page and then afterward in order to not feel creepy I tell them that I was looking at their Instagram account because otherwise it's just literally stalking then there's this whole other category of CrossFit memes that I look at all the time, which have no relevance to anything on this show, or I have no relationships with these people. Some of them are just funny. Some of them are entertaining. And I look at CrossFit memes. So people, Enriquez does CrossFit. (laughs) So do not mess with her ever. (laughs) She lifts tires or whatever it is they do in that crazy workout. Whatever it is that we do at CrossFit. Yeah, I mean, social media is a tough one because so much of it, to me, the content can be good, but I think the way many of us are left feeling when we use it is not good. It is not... It is not yeah. what God desires for us. And and so much of the engagement that happens brings out the worst in people. And, you know... Yeah. It's designed to bring out the worst in us because... There's this book, Trust Me, I'm Lying. I'll put it in the show notes, which by the way, if you don't know, the show notes are like when you click on the episode on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever, there's some text underneath the episode and that will have links to anything we mention on Amazon other than Joanna's bad sheets. And it'll have links to like any books or quotes from the catechism or anything that we mention. But there's a book called Trust Me, I'm Lying by Ryan Holiday, and it is about media manipulators. And in that book, I learned that anger is the emotion that drives the most eyeballs Mm. or clicks on a website and clicks and eyeballs. That's how advertisers gauge how much they'll pay to be on a certain page is how many eyeballs they know will be drawn to that page and read the article and see their ad. Social media works very similarly. So when Joanna's talking about social media bringing out the worst in us, that is kind of manipulated and intentional by design by these Silicon Valley people that are trying to make money because anger is an emotion that will keep people on a page, keep people scrolling, keep people commenting Mm -hmm. how many political conversations went on and on and on and on on social media (laughs) posts over the last few years. Friends, I'm going to give you a free tip. Nobody's opinion will be changed by your comment on social media. So don't waste your time. That's all I'm going to say. You can post it, but don't think you're going to change someone's mind and their vote. (laughs) I started realizing Twitter wasn't as like useful. It wasn't like the most useful place for me to be making like 
logical or research-based arguments against abortion because people's minds are not changing on Twitter. And that time is like better spent Mm -hmm. writing an op-ed or having a conversation or strategizing around some other form of communication. Social media is just not conducive to a lot of productive conversations. That's not to say there's not outliers. There's certainly people who change their mind because they saw a pro-life video or heard a winsome argument, but that's not necessarily because of the argument. It's because that person's heart was like tilted in such a way as to be open to being changed and moved and positively influenced. And the question is, which we'll get into later, you know, are you creating or are you consuming? And is the time you're spending on social media could that better be spent creating more meaningful content? And we'll get to that. But I I want to to quickly kind of circle back to that point about, you know, when we're angry on social media, if you've ever watched, maybe I'm sure none of you listening have ever posted harsh comments, but all the other people that you see posting. And, you know, we see this anger come out and, and you see people speaking to one another or typing to one another in ways that they would never say face to face. And the thing we as people Mm -hmm. of of faith have to remember is that we are made for relationship. God did create every single one of us with a desire and a need to connect, to be known, to know other people, to have intimacy in that knowing and and not just intimacy in the marriage sexual sense, but just an intimacy of friendship. But that connection and relationship is not meant to be with screens. It is meant to be with other humans. And social media often has the tendency of reducing the other person. And so in our anger, we are attacking what we just see as like another, the screen, really. We're just attacking our own screen. And we forget that there are no mere mortals. That C.S. Lewis quote, there are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, Mm. these are mortal, and their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. And he goes on to say, but it is with, it is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, Mm. and exploit, immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. And we forget that social media brings out the worst, is meant to capitalize on the worst, and is meant to reduce people to nothing and causing us to forget that you are talking to somebody, you're engaging with somebody who is made in the image of God, who bears the fingerprints of God all over them. And someday Mm. their eternal version will either be stunning or horrifying. That's well said. And I think that there are layers of layers of division when it comes to how we interact with people online because Mm -hmm. on instagram facebook twitter you're kind of just interacting with like a person's avatar you don't really see them dynamically you're not seeing their face necessarily or if you are it's static in a selfie smile but then you've got something like zoom where you're actually speaking to someone face to face and that that's still a a remote digital interaction but i would not necessarily say the mean thing to you on zoom that i would have tweeted at you on twitter behind your avatar so i think humans god made us really to interact with each other in person and then we have these lesser and lesser forms of interaction the lesser one might be the zoom screen still you're looking at each other but you're not together but then down here at the very bottom (laughs) you have the 
avatar of the person that really isn't personal to you. You don't know much about them. This hit home to me because this terrible war that is moving so fast in Ukraine, I don't even know what the status of it is going to be in a couple days when we post this, but this war in Ukraine, like you can you conceptualize what's happening and you hear the stories of what's happening and it pains your heart but then you see the video of a child explaining to the person who just rescued him that he had to say goodbye to his dad so that his dad could fight for his country and now this little boy doesn't know if he's ever going to see his dad again and the little boy is holding back tears and wiping his eyes and you can tell he's trying to be brave and suddenly the war in Ukraine becomes extremely real and understandable and personal and it wakes up your empathy and it wakes up the part of you that knows how to interact with other human beings. And it's because you saw his face and you heard him speak. And this is just something that we have to recognize when we're using social media, even if we're using it for good. And yes, it can be used for good. But even if we're using it for good, not to depersonalize the person on the other side of the screen because there is hopefully a human behind the avatar. There's the whole question of bots, which I don't fully understand, but I know they exist. (laughs) And they're a whole other question. Well, that's why I've tried with some of my more controversial things uh, or around heated times, like if I'm going to wade in on abortion, around elections, I'll do a video so that people can see I'm not yelling at you. I'm not mad at you. I don't hate you. And in fact, I had a friend the other day let me know, and and she and I do not agree on abortion or a lot of other issues. And she said, yeah, you post things and it makes my blood boil, but you're so calm while you're saying it that it drives me even more nuts because you're saying this stuff in such a way that I'm like, it's probably true because she's so calm about it. Like you're not angry, you're not yelling. (laughs) and, And I have to listen to you because you you are staying so measured. And that's a huge compliment in the work of the Holy Spirit in me <laughs> that we are even at that yeah. point. But I think sometimes Definitely. to say, if I'm, gonna, if I'm going to engage, I am going to let people see my face and know that when they hear my voice, oh, she's not yelling at me. She's not texting in all caps. I love when people text in all caps mm-hmm. because you, like, people need to see. Like, I only do it on accident when I don't realize it's on. <laughs> if I do it, it's in a very self-deprecating, like, can you believe I did this? But we have to remember that like when, when we're engaging with people is how do we break through that? I think that's such a great point. Like how do we break through that avatar kind of persona to try to personalize the digital if we're gonna be if we're gonna be on here and, and engaging with people to just keep reminding them, I'm a human being and you're a human being and I don't know. And how can mm-hmm. I remember that that's a human being that I'm engaging with, which for some of you, that may be enough. That that may change the way you engage on social media. Is just to be reminded that, oh yeah, that's another person. You know, that's a person who's got kids, or that's a person who is struggling to pay their bills, or that's a person who's overwhelmed and depressed and discouraged, and they're reading the news too. And what if they don't have the hope of Christ, right? Like, what what are mm-hmm. they bringing to this conversation? And and how does our interaction with them point them more to Jesus? Absolutely. I think it's helpful to remember too that people who are angry on social media, ourselves included when and when that's the case, it's often that we are using social media as an outlet mm-hmm. 
to express emotions that we aren't free to express in our real lives or we don't know how to express in our real lives. And I think that was something that was really eye-opening to me when I started to understand more of this just psychology of this person isn't angry with this topic that I'm talking about or me necessarily. This person probably has some emotions that they don't know how to express in their real life and it is coming out in their social media usage. That can be really helpful. It can also help you to know like when is it worth engaging with somebody and trying to have a conversation and when is it worth just you know scrolling past a comment and not reacting to it, not internalizing it, not engaging with it. Because we're all humans that are struggling and we all have our own emotions that are going to seep out to the people around us in some way or another. All of us that are moms are very aware of when we're taking out our frustration about something else on our kids. I think we've all been there at some point in our parenting and it's no different on social media. Jordan Peterson had this funny comment. He was describing Twitter to a live audience one time, he said, somebody asked me what Twitter was like, and I said to them, imagine you have a big group of people and you ask everyone who didn't sleep well that night to stand up. <laughs> oh my goodness. And then take the 10 of those that are having the, m- the most miserable day, and that's who's on Twitter. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I thought, you know, I think that's Nailed actually it. true. Okay, so that's the first point with social media is we have to remember that we're people made for relationship and that those are distinct individuals on the other side of the screen. I think the other thing too, and this is a big one, this is a big one and this is probably why if you're off social media, if you're honest with yourself, this was what motivated you, is that anything that becomes a small g god It can be good in itself. It can be neutral. It can have good purposes. But if it becomes a thing that it becomes priority in over our relationship with God and it creates disorder and separation from God, then it is not a good thing. And you are now engaging in idolatry. Oh, that sounds so Mm. harsh to say in the 21st century. And I'll say it like what I realized and what I was convicted in is I didn't I didn't idolize social media. I idolized how it made me feel, what I was mm-hmm. seeking, affirmation, influence, self, any of the number of things. And that's ugly. When you start to see that, realize like, ooh, even though what I'm posting is good, even though my yeah. intent, good, it's not leading to a good. Like it like somewhere along the line gets soured and what draws me back in mm. is not good because I'm seeking my affirmation, my worth, my validation, from this over, I'm a daughter of the king. I'm a child of God. He has asked me to speak this. I'm going to do it and I'm going to move on with my day. And realizing that when that starts to happen, you have now put something ahead of, or you've misprioritized things mm-hmm. in your life. And I think that for a yes. lot of us is the, is the crux of the struggle with social media. It's so true. And social media is addicting. We talked about the dopamine and we talked about the algorithms and how they're designed to pull you in. And then when we had our rhythms episode, which I'm always going back to in my mind, we talked about those holy habits Mm -hmm. that we build in order to slowly move our lives closer and closer to God. And our time 
is so precious. This is not to sound cliche, but you cannot get a moment Mm -hmm. back once it's gone. Mm -hmm. Your life is finite on this earth and you only have so much time to spend in the relationships that matter. You only have so much time to commune with God on this side of eternity. You only have so much time to reach out to those who are in need. You only have so much time to develop your interests and time goes by. (laughs) We know this now in our 30s. That cliche that time goes by so fast. It is true. When we think about our social media use, and we talked about, I was more cynical about the number, but two and a half, let's say the average uh, amount of time that we spend on it is two and a half hours. That's certainly a habit, if not an addiction. Mm -hmm. Is it a holy habit? Is maybe the first five minutes of it a holy habit, and then it becomes a distraction, or maybe even something worse, a temptation, or uh, giving you negative emotions. But being intentional in which platforms you decide to register for or leave, being intentional um, about the amount of time that you spend on social media, how you allocate that time. But really, if something isn't a holy habit, isn't bringing you closer to God, then there's nothing wrong with eradicating it from your life. And Also, I would say as all these new platforms pop up, I think the temptation can be like, I don't want to miss out. I don't want to not know what's going on on this new thing. Some people don't like new things. I'm not really a person who likes new stuff when it's created, (laughs) but I definitely have had the experience of like, oh, all these people are on Snapchat. I think I need to get it and find out what's the buzz, you know, but maybe be really intentional about which things you sign up for in the first place and say, okay, I'm going to be on Instagram and none of the other things, or I'm going to be on Facebook and constantly reevaluate how you're spending your time on social media. So I don't think that this is a one and done conversation because social media is constantly evolving. The way we use it is constantly evolving. We can't just say in 2022, okay, I'm going to spend 10 minutes on Instagram a day and I'm not going to sign up for any other platforms, you're going to have to constantly reevaluate. How is this affecting my relationship with God? Is this a holy habit? Do I need to tweak something here or change something there? Do I need to completely get off? Do I need to get back on a platform where I'm feeling called to evangelize? Like These are questions that we can ask ourselves to just make sure that we're not mindlessly flittering away the time, the very, very precious time that God has given us to be on this earth. He He made us for a reason. He doesn't make mistakes. He has a mission for us. And making sure that we're not distracting ourselves from what he's calling us to do with our social media use, I think can be a great way to kind of focus our effort on figuring out what it is that we are supposed to be doing. Absolutely. You know, some people use it really well. You, you see them on there. You're mm-hmm. like, yes, you're using this and you're speaking truth. You're advancing righteousness like he, this is the people that God has called you to reach. You know, so many things. You see Jesus really talking to the heart of it, of like, why are we on there? And if a thing is causing us to sin, listen, it may not cause you to sin, but if it's causing me to sin, then I need to be done. And you, you see Paul talk about that and what people are eating. You see Jesus say, like, if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. Now, does he really mean it out. like you should be going around cutting off different appendages of your body? No, <laughs> but he does mean you should be that ruthless about going after the thing in your life that is causing you to sin because better to be without than to go and, and to essentially go into heaven slightly maimed than to find yourself separated from God. 
And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and Paul's comments of like, hey, it's fine for me to eat meat, but not fine for them. Then I'm not going to do it around them. Like our different kind of levels of what is acceptable and appropriate for each of us in our faith are going to be different on some things. And listen, I'd say there's some hard lines like porn. Porn is never okay for anybody, right? Yeah. Uh, nobody should be looking at that. But just because somebody else does or does not do something may not necessarily mean that that's what you have to do. But you should be taking it to the Lord. You should be asking the Holy Spirit, what what do you want from me? When I asked the Holy Spirit, what should I do for Lent? And the first response was, let's get off social media. I was like, no, I don't like that. And that's how I knew that's what I was supposed to do. Because it was the thing that I immediately went, shoot, no. And I battled and I'm fine. Mm-hmm. And yet I knew, I knew, because I have FOMO, I'm going to miss out. <laughs> and the reality is, mm-hmm. is, in 40 days when I pop back on there, or every Sunday, because apparently you get Sundays off in Lent, which was a great revelation <laughs> from our Lent episode. There will be nothing missed. There will be nothing missed. Mm-hmm. That's just the reality of it. And the world will continue turning. And so saying for yourself, like, what is leading me towards ungodly behaviors and habits and vices, attitudes? And if it's if it's bitterness, if it causes comparison, if it causes you know jealousy, if it, if it causes you to disparage and disdain what God has given you and who he has made you to be, cut it out. It's not good for mm-hmm. you. When we cut out something, it's good to be prepared to fill that vacuum, mm-hmm. to know why are we cutting this out? What am mm-hmm. I using it for? Okay, so if I'm using Instagram because I'm a nursing mom that's in the middle of the night breastfeeding for two hours, there's going to be a vacuum of time if I cut out social media that I'm going to need to fill with something that's relaxing and entertaining. And so just keep that in mind. Yes. If you're a person that picks up your phone because you're having an argument with your spouse and you can't you can't deal and you need a mental escape maybe the vacuum that you're going to need to feed, to fill is improving your communication skills and how can you allocate the time that you were on social media to making that a reality but again this just goes back to the intentionality of why are you using social media and if you want to pull away from it Yes, you can go cold turkey, but have a plan in place because there will be a vacuum. There will be negative emotions. There will be a compulsion to pick up your phone or open your laptop. And you need to be prepared for that ahead of time so that you can take that time that you were using, spending on social, and invest it into something that is going to be better for you. I mean, I now have magazines and books littering everywhere. So I can pick it up and read a paragraph of a magazine. You you know, when you think of like two and a half hours a day, wow, how, what other things could I get done and be doing? But there is the social component in terms of the messaging. And I think what is difficult is so many relationships, even close friendships, have a lot of times moved to that. We don't really send each other pictures, right? People as friends don't, don't send photos of their kids or their videos because you just figure, well, you're going to see what I posted. We have Mm -hmm. all become accustomed to this is how our lifestyle works. And so having to say, well, if I was gonna get on social media, you know what, Mm -hmm. I'm gonna text that friend. Maybe I wanted to go see what she was doing. I'm gonna actually text her and reach out and say, hey, how's it going? And again, only Mm -hmm. only the Holy Spirit's gonna be able to instruct you with how that time should be used. So that if and when you do come back to social media, you come back with something to offer and you come back refreshed and you come back maybe ready to engage better 
and again, ready to create and contribute to the conversation. Because we do know, like there are certain voices that are very loud on social media, Mm -hmm. partly because they get elevated above the voices that are not popular. Doesn't mean we don't keep speaking the truth, uh, but we have to be mindful of like, how are we contributing to that conversation? Amen, sister. Well said. Hopefully this was helpful to people. Food for thought. I think we're both still working through kind of how we feel about social and we definitely aren't trying to tell you how to feel about social. We're just sharing our experience, but we would love to hear from you. If you've intentionally decided Mm -hmm. to stay, tell us about it. Tell us about why and what you've decided to stay and do. If you've decided to, to go or to give social up for Lent, I personally just really like to hear your stories and maybe someday we can do a follow-up episode once we're more wise and know more things about social and share some of these stories. And our email is wildandbeautifulpodcast at gmail.com. And listen, maybe all that time that you're not on social media right now, you can be listening <laughs> to our podcast and sharing it. Mm-hmm. And texting and reviewing it to your it. friends. Texting all your friends being like, listen, podcasts <laughs> are not social media. So obviously that doesn't count. Please listen to this. Better use of your time. There you go.